Your call, man. You my boss. No, I'm not. But okay. <laughs> oh come on. No, no. You tell no, me what to do. Like I, I have no um, self drive. Yes, you to, do. Uh, figure, figure shit out. No, you good. You good. Especially something I'm new to. No, you're you're basically like um, a veteran now. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, fuck I know you're shit. just being nice. No, I'm not. You piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never nice. Welcome to the Coconuts Podcast. Today is September 10th, 2021. The Coconuts Podcast is your home for top trending news and pop culture from all across Southeast Asia and Hong Kong. I'm Andra Nazri. And I'm Summerly. Hi, Andra. Hey, Summer. How goes it? It goes okay, I think. Why? How goes it for you? I don't know. Well, um, not very well. You know, to you know, to get ready for this new gig, um, hosting this podcast with you, mm-hmm. um, I I do I've had to uh, push my not very old MacBook to the limit, but you know it is already crapping out on me, and I'm thinking of buying a new one with all you mm. know all these tabs open. It just can't handle it anymore. This piece of junk from 2017. <gasps> Can you believe 2017 is, um, what, five years? Wait, how many years ago is that? I, I, I've lost count. Four. <laughs> you're right, you're right. It's freaking four. And I, yeah. I do also have the 2017 MacBook, and it's also kind of crapping out. But I think I fucking know why. It's because Apple announced their freaking um, keynote. So they're going to release their new... They're, they're introducing new stuff. Yeah, boy. So it's the new iPhone, it's a new MacBook, and then, yeah, the people on Twitter are getting real suspicious, as they should, because, um, you know, people are like, so that's why my MacBook is huffing and puffing, and then when I saw that, I was like, damn, mine too. And that's how they trap yeah. us in this, this cycle of MacBooks, but are we really going to ever not buy a MacBook? Well, no. I mean, Apple has been proven to have um, you know slowed down their devices in the past, I think mm-hmm. I think there was like a whole legal case around it. Um, that's why we have to buy a new iPhone every two or three years. Um, mm-hmm. I know some people who buy it every year, which is kind of excessive. But you know, if they have the money, why not? Mm-hmm. And if you have money to spare, please share that. We are kind of shitting on Apple here, but you know, um, we do love, we do love their products for some reason. It's like we are mortally dependent on them. I can't like if I have to buy another MacBook now, I probably will because I can't <laughs> imagine myself working on a freaking Lenovo <laughs> or this whole brand of shit. <laughs> uh, I don't know what it is. I cannot picture a Lenovo laptop in my head right now, but. In yeah. their defense, they have like this really cool contortionist uh, tab slash laptop kind mm. of thing. Um, so it's like they've promoted it like a a person doing yoga. <gasps> like it can bend in all um, sorts of angles. Mm-hmm. And they had Ashton Kutcher of all people to uh, to 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 promote that product. That sounds random as hell. Like, does he do yoga? Is there like, I'm trying to see if there's a link anywhere. No, I don't think so. Love I mean, what that. has he done? What has he done since, um, what was it? That 70 show. Uh, I don't know. Oh, he's, he's, got... he's been like 
he's been saving children or something noble like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's he's a great man. Mm-hmm. So whoever wants to get a Lenovo laptop, that's what you're buying into. Good for you. If you want that, yeah, more power to you. Absolutely. I'm gonna get the new MacBook. God damn it. Advertise with our in-house agency, Grow. Fast, funny, digital. Join forces with us to slay buzzwords, rise above the noise, and sow the seeds of something great. Get in touch via coconuts.co/grow. And our top stories for the week. We start off in Bali, where oh, you'll see that we like this um, story for multiple reasons. Because this Bali parking attendant was ordered to do push-ups for wearing a coconut shell as a mask. Yuck, yuck, yuck. Yuck. <laughs> oh, dears. Oh, okay. What the hell was that? <laughs> it was a very extended oh, yuck. But okay. I mean, I get, we do get excited every time a, a coconut, coconut-related story is actually published on coconuts.co. So, yeah. Right. It's like the branding does itself. Like we don't do, we don't pay for these um, instances to happen, but they do. The universe said, y'all should have this for today. Okay, then. But yes, almost 18 months into the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, we thought we might have seen it all when it comes to creative masks. But one parking attendant in Bali showed us that there's more to see after all with his like coconutty handiwork, if we do say so ourselves, even though it doesn't quite meet the protection standards against the virus. So like, <laughs> I mean, it's cute though, but damn. It's just it for show. It? Absolutely. Can you put like a mm. surgical mask in it? I don't know. I'm not very smart. Uh, oh. yeah. No, no, no. You, you can't mm. um, read on and find out why. So this man identified as Nanga Budiasa, who works as a parking attendant in Denpasa, has been wearing half a coconut shell on his face for a mask. <laughs> but yes, parking attendants across Indonesia are usually equipped with a whistle and Nunga appears to have fashioned the instrument to fit a hole in the middle of the shell, which means he can blow it without having to remove the entire mask. Talk that about blew efficiency. my mind. I mean, like, we're giving them, like, awards for creativity, yes, but, you know, in a pandemic, maybe not. But alas, Nunga's coconut shell mask does not meet the standard requirements for protection against the coronavirus, and officers from the Public Order Agency have since provided him with the correct alternative. Damn it. I mean, you know, creative-wise, like creative... Party um, poopers. Absolutely. Because it does look cute as hell, I would assume. (laughs) But yeah, unfortunately, or fortunately for the sake of everybody, Bali's mandatory mask rule is still very much in place and Nunga was subjected to administrative sanctions and was told to do push-ups on the spot as punishment. So the 44-year-old garnered attention from local residents in the area recently for his coconut shell mask, and he previously said that the inventive mask was a more comfortable alternative that also allows him to speak more clearly. Nunga said that he started wearing it after people suggested that he ditch his dirty, reusable surgical mask. I, um... Um, I don't see how it's more comfortable. Um, yeah, dude. I don't know if you... I, like, I'm a dude. Like, I don't know if you have worn, like, coconut shells for um you know the uh, the brassiere i don't oh, yeah. imagine it's it's more comfortable than the ordinary kind i would think so too it just looks cute but you know i mean there's, yeah, there's probably in hawaii a very, maybe right exactly and there's probably a very nice uh coconut scent with this guy's mask but what do i know might try it for myself yeah. I'm not sure <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i mean that's probably a bad idea to wear this coconut shell 
as a mask. Um, mm -hmm. Well, we probably should take this opportunity to shamelessly plug our coconuts mask, <laughs> which is available for purchase on the coconut shop. Check it out on our website. Made of 100% not coconut meat. Go get it. <laughs> And in Bangkok, thousands of Thai students vow to ditch school to oppose virtual learning. Mm. So thousands of students pledged to participate in a strike on virtual learning that started this week. School gates have been closed since April and learning moved online. Um, while that hasn't been a burden on families with resources, thousands of others have struggled to keep their children educated. So this is like a pretty universal issue in the pandemic, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So there are many students for whom just getting online is an epic undertaking. Adding to that are reports of teachers taking their abusive impulses online, forcing students to obtain permission before drinking water and wear uniforms at home. <gasps> Fed up with the virtual classroom experience, activist group Bad Student has called on fellow students to ditch online learning altogether and demand a better and more inclusive learning experience. Answering the call of a student-led campaign called, and I quote, I'm fucking done with these online classes. More than 7,000 students nationwide pledged to boycott lessons this week. The campaign's hashtag, I am fucking done with online classes, had been retweeted more than a million times this week. The group has also called for a better vaccine distribution and reduced workloads for both students and teachers, such as fewer lesson hours and assignments, so long as schools remain closed. But not everyone supports the strike. Quoting one Facebook user, This campaign isn't a smart move. What do you expect to gain from this? It will be you, the students, who suffer most. They won't care if students miss a class or two. It's you who will lose scores. And I don't think it is practical to see everyone walk out in solidarity. Man, I'm glad in our day, we never got to experience this whole um, virtual schooling stuff because, you know, going to school was the bee's knees, man. <laughs> oh, what a catchy ass campaign name, though. Very <laughs> impactful. Very cool hashtag. Love that. They're angry. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Is what we Good can gather from that. Yeah. Hopefully they figure shit out. Yeah, man. Up there I in get... Bangkok. Yeah. And pretty much everywhere. True that, true that, true that. Over in Hong Kong, love is in the air. Because there's this helicopter with a Marry Me banner that flew across Victoria Harbor. Cute. Aw. Yeah. So this week, um, you know, the people in Victoria Harbor witnessed a giant-ass red banner that says... Luan Lam, I love you, marry me. In all caps, by the way, and with like two exclamation marks, so you know that it's serious. You know that he's angry. Oh, no, yeah. oh, yeah, serious. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he could be angry about it. He could be like enraged that she hasn't accepted the proposal, but who knows? This could, have, this could be his 10th. We never know. Right? He, yeah. like, this, doing, he could be doing this, like, you know, with a protection order in place and yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Your imagination. Anyway. Anyway, it is unclear who Luan Lam is and whether she ended up happily ever after with her loved one who paid for the lavish splurge. I I imagine it might not be cheap. Um, everyone has something to say. Some netizens saw the move as romantic. Most criticized what they called senseless squandering of money that could be put to more meaningful uses. I mean, you do you, sisters. Oh, yeah, but okay. Like 
don't angrily propose to someone on mm-hmm. the air. Mm-hmm. On a work day? Come on, man. I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some also said that the plain red and white design of the banner resembles a security warning flag. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and that if the person was uh the person behind the proposal was gonna be spending so much money, they surely could have afforded a nicer looking banner. We're getting down to the design. Come on, people. <laughs> Let's put some flowers on that shit or something, you know? What what a plain yeah. red and white banner. Dude has no imagination. Mm-hmm. Clearly the sky's the limit for his uh mm. imagination. Yeah, think bigger, son. I mean, there's a heart shape on the the flag, right? But it is in all caps and in red, so people could be like, like scurrying from the offices. Like, is there a fucking evacuation? What's happening? Yeah, like as far as romantic sentiments go, this is like the bare minimum. What an expensive bare minimum. <laughs> I don't know why, but that's just so funny. That's a great bad name, an expensive bare minimum. <laughs> Could be a stripper name. Who knows? <laughs> okay. <clears throat> We're about to go into like the most depressing story of the year. Oh god! I, you just gave me that, so I I might have to read this with a smile on my face. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Um. So slight change of um, tone here in uh, Indonesia, uh, as published by Coconut Jakarta. A six-year-old girl was rescued after her family tried to gouge out her eye in a cannibalistic black magic ritual. Mm. So the victim, who's identified as a six-year-old by her initials AP, is being treated for major uh, damages to her right eye. According to reports, her parents, grandfather, and uncle tried to gouge out the eye as part of a ritualistic sacrifice they believed would bring them wealth. Authorities sniffed possible child abuse in the household after last week's funeral of AP's 22-year-old brother, DS, who was believed to have died after the family forced him to drink two liters of salt water as part of another ritual. This is just descending into layers and layers of madness. So um, officers, along with AP's concerned family members, paid the family a visit after the funeral and heard the little girl's screams from inside the house. A video taken prior to the rescue shows AP's mother shoving her thumb deep into the little girl's eye socket while her father, grandfather, and uncle were holding her still. Obviously, we didn't um, include the video in our story. It's just hair raising it's uh, it, it's crazy but i did actually watch it like an uncensored version of it um oh you know God. for the purposes of writing the story and it's uh, i i it, it this her screams just just haunted me oh, no. um there and the, there was a this a point where like the eye her eye never actually uh got dislodged thankfully mm-hmm. but her mother pushed her thumb into the socket deep enough that she was bleeding out of uh, her right eye. Oh my God. So um, there has been an update to this story. Thankfully, the girl um, who was hurt in this ritual badly, uh, she is uh, getting her eyesight restored. Mm-hmm. According to Sheikh Yusuf General Hospital ophthalmologist Yusuf Bakhmid, the girl went underwent an operation on her, on her right eye this week. 
she has shown promising signs of recovery since. To quote the doctor, her eye is not patched up anymore. During her eye examination earlier, she can now read small texts at a distance of six meters from her. He also added that the girl is now also able to open up to doctors and people who are helping her, indicating that she is on the road to overcoming her trauma. Um, so the girl is likely going to be eligible for a discharge from the hospital by the end of this week. But that is contingent on a resolution to matters related to child custody, considering that, you know, her whole family tried to hurt her. Well, four of uh, four members of her family. Um, she is being cared for by one of her uncles who did not take part, but actually helped um, the authorities to, um, you know, rescue the girl. Oh, my gosh. So the four suspects uh, who were... Of course, her parents, grandfather and uncle may face at least 10 years in prison for child abuse, but they may face even longer uh, prison sentences if they are found to be indeed responsible for the death of the girl's 22-year-old brother, who you may recall was forced to drink salt water. And the police have also arrested a shaman who convinced the family to sacrifice their children. Oh my God, that is very harrowing to listen to and read. Yeah. Hopefully, um, I, I don't. Th- I don't think anyone. It's hard to imagine anyone overcoming this, especially from such a young age. But I hope that she has all the care and um, attention um, required to get through this, and hopefully, her eye heals, and she could live as normal a life as possible. Yeah, man. And I can't even imagine what was going through the little girl's mother's mind when she was trying to gouge out the eye, and. Um, there were there are also reports, according to the uncle who rescued her, um, that the mother actually ate a little bit of the girl's eyelid, which is also part of the ritual. Which is why I think um, she also needs uh, an operation to correct that as well. Oh my gosh! Was that just one eye or both? It was eyes? just her right eye, just one okay. eye. Well, I mean, if if the authorities didn't come in in time, might have been both eyes. We we don't know. Oh no! I hope she heals. Yeah, man, from the physical and mental trauma of this whole thing. But what the hell? This freaking story. (laughs) (laughs) What? Love his face. Over in KL, this designer goes into a meltdown after his magnetic hijab idea was swiped by a big brand. Oof. So a small-time Malaysian fashion designer is accusing a major modest fashion brand of stealing his hijab design. So this dude by the name of Yusfarik Iqmal, who runs the independent brand The Jasmine HQ, had a meltdown recently after discovering that the magnetic hijab design that he had been promoting in the past two years was being replicated without his permission. A video of his meltdown drew 560,000 views on TikTok, where he has 77,000 followers. So in it, he says, um, this big brand took my ideas so easily. I spent two whole years trying to convince people to believe in my product. Question. While, yeah. Did he patent it, the idea? That's just it. Okay, yeah. So he did not actually mention in the video whether he had patented his design. So maybe mm-hmm. not. Yep. And, you know, while the 26-year-old did not reveal the name of the brand, many people in the comments, you know, were all like internet Sherlock's in our own right. Um, people managed to review that it was probably Lilith who was launching 
they are magnetic headscarves. And the modest fashion brand is owned by the Fashion Valley e-commerce website founded by local entrepreneur Vivi Yusuf. So Yusfarag has been making these signature magnetic headscarves, which stick the hijab cloth together with, with a magnet instead of using pins since March 2019. In his clip entitled, She Copied My Idea This Time. Very catchy title. Um, he went on a two-minute rant calling out the, in, and I quote, fucking huge modest wear company while also showing his followers a piece from his first magnetic headscarves collection. Um, dude goes on to say, I know I can't afford to fight this big brand because she's fucking huge in the industry, but I want people to know that this is my idea and I was the first one. It's not her idea. He added, I just hope she stops copying small businesses' ideas. That's all. And yeah, um, this he, isn't he's actually- probably not helping his cause though. Effing and jeffing in this yeah. industry, the modest wear industry. Uh, yeah, no place for it. Kind of, yeah. But yeah, um, I guess on the other hand, um, this isn't the first time that Vivi is being dragged for allegedly copying other designers' work. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's why it kind of gets fishy. And the brand has not publicly um, responded to Yusfarek's accusations, but they have since prevented the public from commenting on its Instagram account. So, oh, you're real spicy in here, and I'm not sure why. <laughs> oh, I love fashion scandals mm-hmm. hijab scandals let's go and while we're on the topic suspicious fashion accessory shipment turns out to be almost five kilograms of shark teeth what? so when a package marked plastic components for fashion accessories coming through manila's mactan port last week went through the usual customs processes Something looked off to the X-ray inspection team. And so when it was pulled off the line for further verification on August 31st, customs examiners found that it was really a whole bag of sh- shark teeth. <laughs> I thought it was going somewhere else. <laughs> the shipment did not have an import permit from the Bureau of Fisheries and Aquatic Resources, said the Bureau of Customs in a press release. The shipment was seized and will be disposed of in accordance with existing customs laws and regulations after undergoing seizure and forfeiture proceedings, said the BOC. Like, well, what do you imagine these shark teeth would have been used, used for? Like, um, surfer necklaces or mm. something? Yeah. That was my first thought. Absolutely. Mm. Like, what else is there used for? But, oh, I'm Chinese. Um, so I guess somebody would probably make medicine from it. Yeah. <laughs> shark teeth? Yeah, probably. Any how? freaking part of the animal. I, I wouldn't know how, but they're, they're going to do it. I can, I don't know, I can imagine it, but I can't at the same time. But if there's an animal part, a Chinese person's going to make medicine out of it, I think. I mean, they have, they've, they've made medicine out of um, pangolin scales, right? Oh, yeah. Somehow. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe they can extract like the calcium content out of these teeth. That sounds like a lot of work. That sounds sci-fi. I don't know. Like I, I don't do science. Yeah, same. I just comment on it like I do. <laughs> and over in Singapore, ugh, uh, this infamous Singapore anti-mask MBS lady has been jailed for 16 weeks. Pew, pew, pew. Um, yeah. Okay, so everybody in Singapore probably knows this woman by now. Um, she gained notoriety for her persistent refusal to don face masks. 
And yeah, she finally was sentenced to 16 weeks weeks in jail. She is the retired Navy Major Poon Chu Yuk, 54 years old. <laughs> and she pleaded guilty to nine counts of violating COVID-19 laws in court months after a video of her refusing to mask up at the Marina Bay Sands Resort. And of course, that video, which we all know by now, went viral. I just, you want the toilet? Just you want the to settle this problem. Now, please wear, you. your, wear your mask. I said to you, if you have no badge, don't speak to me. And soon after, like, she was caught in the wild by many other people. Like, there are a whole ton of, like, videos online, on Twitter.com, especially. Uh, people going, oh my god, I saw her today! Yeah, it's like, you think they, they saw, like, I don't know, the Loch Ness Monster or some shit. I wouldn't know. Is she, like, the only person in Singapore who's, ref- who's refused to wear a mask? Oh, no, she's one of the big three. <laughs> oh, you have three! Uh-huh. Oh, my like, God. So, so that's why, like, like sightings of these people are a pretty big deal, huh? Mm-hmm. Like celebrities in their own right. That's um, amazing. Another, yeah, there was another lady who claimed that, you know, she was a sovereign and that the rules don't apply to her. Then I remember that. her, yes. Yes. Yup, so her. And then the other dude, uh, UK, guy from the UK, is going to be deported. Yeah, that guy. So the big three. They can start, like, their own, like, weird Avengers, you know? Assemble. That's amazing you only have three. I mean, there's probably more to come. We'll see, we'll see. Who else wants to claim they are a sovereign? Let us know. We'll be happy to write the article about it. You just ship them to the US. True that, true that. That UK guy, though, he was like, "Uh, I was going to leave the country anyway, so you deporting me is me um, winning or some shit. I don't know. What a fun attitude to have. Good for you, staying Mm. positive and all. Mm. Ah. But yes, back to Punchu Yoke. So this woman has been violating COVID-19 measures from as early as May 2020 when she failed to wear a mask at the Newton Food Center. Come on, man. Not next to the freaking chicken rice. Goddamn. But yes, after being charged for that offense, she fled to the United Kingdom and had to enter hotel quarantine when she returned to Singapore the following month. From December to May, she was spotted unmasked outside the state courts. Oh, don't do that. The Marina Bay Sands, as you know, the MBS incident in May. And at the Mandarin Orchard Singapore Hotel in June. Come on, man. She's on a world tour of not wearing masks. Love that. So these are like pretty upscale places, right? Yeah, dude. I mean, like she's not getting caught, you know, wearing, not wearing a mask at anywhere else. But these places? Huh? Let me see. Oh, in May, she was recorded telling off social distancing monitors trying to make her put on a mask to queue outside a toast box eatery. Demanding to see their badge. And, you know, she said, and I quote, I said to you, if you have no badge, you don't speak to me. You have no right to ask me to do anything. But the thing is, they do. So that's why she's going to jail. Very interesting individual. So she she went to jail for this toast box incident. Yeah, I think it's like a whole slew of like, you know, I think it's for the world tour, but the MBS one is what made her go get famous. Yeah, this was Mm. like her debut album, you know, that really hit the charts. Mm. What a lovely lady. Yeah. Does... Fun Chiu Yuk translate to Karen by any chance? <laughs> Probably. We should start using that. She oh, she's such a Fun Chiu Yuk. Oh, what a yeah, PCY. <laughs> Stop being a PCY and asking to talk to the manager. And over in Yangon, Myanmar's shadow government declares war on junta. 
Myanmar's National Unity Government announced this week the beginning of a nationwide uprising against the ruling junta. Declaring a state of emergency, acting president Duwalashi La vowed in a morning address to remove the military from power and restore civilian rule. Fight against Min Aung Hlaing's terrorist military administration on a national scale, he said. We will remove Min Aung Hlaing and re- uproot the dictatorship from Myanmar for good. Chan, a 27-year-old Yangon resident who lives near the airport, told us that he's seen increased military activity since the announcement. I was on my way from the gym to work when I read about the news, he said. I was excited to see it and I felt happy. It's finally here. I was thinking how I could be a part of this revolution. How can I help during this time? The roads are busy with people preparing to stock food and medicine. Dualashi Law said the junta would be attacked in retaliation for the coup's horrors, including the over 1,000 dead, and that all government bureaucrats and employees should resign today. There were already reports of fighting erupting in places like Palau between the military and forces aligned with the Karen National Liberation Army and, Pe- and People's Defense Forces, or PDF. The shadow government's acting president also called on the PDF to take the measures to protect people's lives and property, strictly follow instructions, and abide by their commander's rules of engagement. He also urged the public to avoid unnecessary travel, store food and medicine, report the movements of military units to the civilian resistance forces, and do their utmost to support them. And he urged ethnic armed groups to begin targeting the military junta and its affiliates with the goal of establishing a long-term federal state. He expressed hope that the international community would accept the choice to resolve the crisis militarily, calling it a just and fair revolution. While the insurgent forces have morale and motivation, it's unclear how they can prevail against a much larger and better equipped Tatmadaw, as Myanmar's military is called. Following the February 1st coup d'etat, junta security forces have killed more than 1,000 citizens and imprisoned thousands more. Ordinary civilians have retaliated by taking up arms and carrying out attacks on the military, its infrastructure, and those suspected of assisting it. So yeah, it's really going down in Yangon, and um, yeah, we'll oh my God. keep an eye on that. Yeah, man, hope it all goes well. Uh, it probably won't. And our guest for this week, he is a Singaporean singer-songwriter by the name of Gentle Bones. Of course, the people that know him might call him Joel Tan. But yeah, he's here today to talk about his album that comes out today. So yeah, have a listen. So our guest for today is Joel Tan, also known as Gentle Moans. Oh, fuck. Did I say Gentle Moans? <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. Let's do that again from the top. You good, you good. I mean, that might be a cool... My head, um, I was thinking gentleman. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. So our guest for today is Joel Tan, who is better known by his stage name Gentle Bones. He's a musician in Singapore, and he's about to release his debut album very soon. Hello there, um, Joel. Hey, Andre and Summer. How are you guys today? Hi. Good, good. How so, yeah. are you? Very good. Thank you. Great Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, I was pretty intrigued 
by your name. Can you explain to me um, the the oxymoron in the name Gentle Bones? Is it um, you know the same? Is this the same idea go behind you know, one of your recent singles, Positive Procrastination? Do you like? Is there is wordplay your thing? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely the the whole cryptic idea of it all, where, where, where it seems like two contrasting uh, words. But it is, to be honest, it, gentle bones is an actual medical condition. What? Yeah, that so I'm you posit- have? I'm sorry if we if this is getting too personal, but yeah, keep going. Yeah, but um, you know how, so it does, it may seem like if it's the two words put together, it all makes sense, but it's the same way of a positive procrastination, whereby, you know, I think we all tend to procrastinate in our life, but how do we, how do we utilize that to, to, in the most efficient way possible? So our positive procrastination, the term, for it is actually the idea of strategically putting things off till later for things that you could afford to get done on a later date. When you schedule time in to, to, to get things done right at the end of it, you know, and you're in more in a mm. rush to do it, you get more efficient because you got to get it done. And you also let go of perfectionism. Mm-hmm. Love that, love so, that. Yeah, so, I mean, it doesn't make sense as two words put together, but it also makes sense as a whole, you know. And I think that's what my music stands for, so... Yeah, absolutely. Any any song that tells me that sleeping is good, I'm here for it, first of all. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you also worked with the Indonesian singer Gamaliel for Positive Procrastination. What can you tell us about this collaboration and like how did it come about? Um, so I've, I've known Gamaliel for many, many years. You know, We actually first met when I was opening for Us The Duo in, uh, in Singapore and he was here for holiday and he, he was watching mm-hmm. the show. So I was on the lift on the way home after my set. And then he pat me on my shoulder and was like, hey, great set. And then I was like, yo, I also know who you are because I've seen his videos on YouTube. And then we've been friends ever since. And actually <gasps> met him a couple of times when I was in Indonesia. And he's gone this huge, um, he's become this huge star ever since. And, and so I'm really glad to be able to work on music with him now. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I'm in Jakarta and, you know, he, his name is pretty huge, especially in the last couple of years. But um, going back to that theme of um, procrastination, you released your first song in 2013. Um, it was um, the single Until We Die. Why has it taken eight years, you know, until this year for you to release your debut album, which is coming out soon? Um, man, for like practical reasons, I never really had the budget to do one. It's mm-hmm. always been timeline issues and, and, and always... Um, being landing on, on a on a nice song that kind of deviates off the previous one that I wrote. But I think for the first time in my music career I kind of am able to take on a cohesive project. And also what I've what I've been really proud of recently is being able to make music that I feel like as a fan I feel like I want to hear from music today. Cool. Okay, yes, then of course it's been eight years. The fans have been waiting. Um, in this album, will we see a continuation of your exploration of themes of like heartache and loss, or can we expect a whole new direction? Um, I think the themes are similar, but in the mm-hmm. sense that you know, I'm trying to put a, like a positive spin to all of it, and, mm-hmm. and you know, I think um, especially during this time of the pandemic and stuff, I think it's important that we all stay strong in a certain way. And if, my music can be a part of that journey and that, that to happen. So that's what I'm crafting my music towards. Mm. And um, what about musically? Are we gonna be? Are, are we gonna see the same kind of um, 
you know, melting pot of influences that is evidently present in your back catalog, or will we see a more personal sound from you? Um, yeah, definitely more personal sound. I'm trying to like craft that, uh, you know, just trying to maximize my abilities with production and being able to put together music that I feel I can speak uh, the most strongly from all that I've learned so far, and also being able to work with producers that I really respect and artists that I really respect has been a beautiful experience for me because I, I know that um, great music takes a, a, a huge team. Mm-hmm. And yeah, this album, it looks like it's going to be a bilingual album. Could you tell us more about this decision? And of course, what languages are going to be on the album as well? Also bilingual being, um, in Singapore, we, we most of us grew, grew up with two languages. So it's mm-hmm. English and Chinese, English being the first one and Mandarin being the second language. And so it's always been, it's always been a very foundational thing for me to know these two languages. So, and I've always been a huge fan of Mandarin music. I've never had mm. the courage to write Mandarin music. So uh, I think it, it was about time for me that I realized that like the music that is able to reach out, I shouldn't limit my music to any language really. You know? mm. That's cool. Are we going to see, in that case, are we going to see songs in both English and Chinese in the same song? Or is it like a few English songs and then a few songs in Mandarin? Yeah, it's going to be a few English songs, a few songs in Mandarin. So it's just a mix of it. Nice. Mm-hmm. Um, Joel, so you, you have a dance track with Jasmine Soko on this album. So can you tell us how that came about? Oh, yes. I've been a huge fan of Jasmine for a long time. She's actually... Mm. Uh, what she did for electronic music here in Singapore was very inspirational for me. And I learned a lot from her works that actually kind of made me want to delve into electronic music a lot more. And I think she, her, her as an inspiration played a huge role to the album today. So it was a natural thing for us to come together to be able to write a song. And I'm glad she was, she was willing to, to, to write this one with me. And she's a great writer. She's a great producer. I'm not sure if you heard the song. Really, really proud of that one. Nice. We'll absolutely have to listen to it. Oh yes. Also, side note: um, this podcast is coming out on Friday, so that will be the date of your um, the release of your album, right? Yes. Cool. Exciting stuff. Okay, so this album. What is your favorite song off of the album? My favorite song off of the album. There's gonna be. There's actually gonna be more songs coming out after the album drops. Oh so. yes. We're gonna insert more singles into it. So I think right now my favorite one out of the songs that will be out on Friday would have to be Better With You, the song that I did with Benjamin King, Singapore artist as well. I think mm-hmm. that song is something that I'm really proud of because I feel like uh, to me I've always wanted to I've always been a fan of catching music, but at the same time that you know to be able to write a great song that that, 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 that can resonate and can encourage I feel like it was a huge uh, landmark, uh, milestone for me in my career. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it sounds like we're going to themes of heartbreak and then now um, a dance track with Jasmine Sokko. It sounds like a lot. I love that. It is a lot, yes. Cool. In that uh, case, you said uh, we're going to have additional songs that will be added to the album um, in the coming months. Uh, could you tell us more about these collaborations? Um. Yeah, so... Uh, I can't really say much, but it's two collaborations and one solo song. So we're trying to, to just 
have the album be, be, be released in an uh, elongated period of time and to really keep up and drum up the interest and hopefully be able to release greater and greater music throughout the whole album experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The next song that's coming out after the album is, is one of my favorite ones I've done so far. I think the producer, Jason Chelchin, and I are really, really proud of what we created here. And I'm excited to show it to you guys. It's actually uh, like a ballad, but over like a reggaeton beat. <gasps> That's interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be pretty sick. Um, back to the back to your uh, debut album, though. What are you allowed to uh, reveal to us as to the details? Maybe um, the number of tracks and collaborations that are... Um, yeah, so I think it's going to be about 10 tracks. Ooh. So... So this, this Friday will be the seven-track version. So we've got a couple more to go. Oh, and so is this, new- is this like a kind of a, a new release model, like releasing the body of the album and then additional tracks down the line? Yep, yep. So, so I mean, the main bulk of the album will be released on Friday, but the, the idea of it is that it's, 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 uh, it's an album that will continue to release itself. Nice. And what is your reasoning behind that? Like, is that a business decision or a musical decision? Man, you know, it's hard to say. I think it's both. I think Mm -hmm. it's as much a business decision as it is to be able to serve the fans and the listeners with a great release schedule. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. I mean, like, artists like Doja Cat, Lady Gaga, they're all, like, releasing, like, follow-ups with remixes and new tracks. It's something to look forward to, like you said, um, keeping positive in a pandemic and all that. Yeah, I'm sure, like, this is something to look forward to. Love that. I am already flawed by the amount of genres. I'm counting four billion so far. You said reggaeton. <laughs> you said a dance track. Going to emo themes of heartbreak. There is just a giant salad in front of me is what I'm seeing. Love that. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening to the songs. <laughs> yeah, so as a non-Singaporean, I've, I have been hearing about um, how in Singapore, artists do find it difficult to break through, um, you know, into stardom. So what are the challenges to you, a uh, Singaporean musician, that you uh, have faced in making it big beyond, you know, the little red dot? I think us as an industry, you know, we're a young country, we're like 56 mm. years old this year. So we're still very much growing. And as a result, our entertainment industry is as well is very fresh. So I think what we're trying to do right now is, is just to really grow, expand our shores, be able to collaborate, not limit ourselves to this country. We're, we're, we're working with Gamaliel and Clara Benning from the Philippines, for example, or Karen CC in Taiwan. It's really made... made made me realize that like music's a universal language. So, you know, it's um it shouldn't be as demographically or domestically rooted as, as we think it should be, because you know, mm. if our song can our song should be able to touch any anyone anywhere with the internet. And look at how, how Rich Bryant and Mickey mm-hmm. from Indonesia have done, you know, they, they went from one end of the world to the other end of the world and, and it's just like Anything goes, man. Absolutely. I mean, look at you. You are clocking like millions of listens per song on Spotify. Not doing too bad yourself, I would think. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm trying. 
yeah, seems to be paying off. Love that for you. Love that you are representing Singapore, putting Singapore on the map. Um, but yeah, you are undeniably a celebrity in Singapore and beyond, um, despite appearing to prioritize your music over everything else, how do you juggle that and avoid the pitfalls of stardom? Pitfalls of stardom? Yeah. Uh, I think it's good to just focus on the positive, you know, to mm. be able to have an audience that is willing to and ready to give any music that I create a try at least. I think mm -hmm. that's a privilege right there. So to be able to continue to make music and, and be able to reach people that would be interested in hearing it, I think it's a huge privilege. So that kind of mm -hmm. keeps me going with making music as well. So, um, you know, at the same time as well, I think I see my music more so right now as as as, as bigger than myself, I would say. What I'm trying to do mm -hmm. is, is, is serve those that would li be listening to the music. So rather... You know, I mean, like, even with something that sounds like better with you as well, it's like what I'm trying to do is, is be able to encourage and to be able to empower those that are listening to it. So that's where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, you've mentioned Rich Brian, Nikki, before. You wouldn't be hesitant to the idea of, you know, jumping on board something like 88 Rising in the future, would you? Yeah, I'm a huge fan of 88 Rising and what they've done for Asian culture all around the world. So I think, I mean, it's a no-brainer no to, to, to be able to work with them if they ever want me to. And I actually had the privilege when I was working on a song with Murray, where 88 Rising actually featured one of our tracks. So, <gasps> yeah, one of their, like, fresh listening playlists, like, fresh listens, that thing. So uh, I've been a huge fan for a long time. So mm -hmm. that'll be a dream. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, shall we do... A quick fire round. So, just gonna mm -hmm. do this. Okay, quick fire round. It's gonna be random questions. Here we go. Here we go. Are you ready? I am always ready. Wonderful. Okay, what are your three staple karaoke songs? Go. I want it that way. Oh, that was fast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Brightside. <gasps> of mm. course. A bop. And Chu uh, Pang by JJ Lin. I I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. Quality. I feel left out, guys. Sorry, dude. Um, <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next. What is your passion outside of music? Would you say it's... Um, do you have any, like, weird hobbies that you can tell us? You know, is it, like, paper mache or something? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> no judgment. It's a safe place. <laughs> um... But let's say, uh, you know, just like I like reading. Mm. You know, I, I love playing. I love playing soccer. <gasps> nice. What position? Right now. Oh man, I usually either the goalkeeper or the striker. Oh, mm. you're a both ends kind of guy. <laughs> I'm sorry. Both ends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you, you can't say that. Yeah. Awesome. No, a few, few, few of you. Uh, Few soccer players are like that. Anyway, go on, Summer. <laughs> okay. Okay, so as you know, um, we have zero concerts. Festivals seem to be um, starting up again everywhere else in the world. And I'm looking there like, are y'all serious? But at the same time, kind of jealous. Do you have a dream festival at which you would like to play at? Yeah, I've always wanted to play at Glastonbury. <gasps> Glastonbury. 
as of right now, I would love to play the like reading festival or <gasps> Rolling Loud. Yeah. Oh, I think that's not beyond the realm of possibility, right? Because, you know, everybody in the UK has, you know, gone back to their normal lives by now. So yeah, you see all these packed, so. packed football stadiums and everything. Mm. So maybe, maybe next year for you, Joel. Man. Amen. Yeah. Amen. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next one. Who would you like to meet? Like, you know, about meeting your heroes and stuff, right? Is there anybody you would like to meet in this lifetime? Summer and Orange from Coconuts. Okay, yeah. Great choices. Horrific Checked, choices. Check, check. Check. <laughs> um, I'd yeah. like to meet... Man, I just met one of my heroes recently. Who? So. <gasps> Go on. I can't say who he is. Oh, okay. I like the... Me, I think Rich Nikki. I, I love Nikki a lot. She's great. Oh, she's gosh, a she's... modern day hero for sure. For sure, for sure. She's such a good voice. Are you serious? Mm, yeah, Indonesia represent. Yeah, yeah, boy. Sure. Okay, on to the next question. I mean, if you were going to a deserted island, which record would you bring with you? Assuming there's a vinyl player, all polished and everything, um, ready for you there. Wow, um, I play like a a nice like jazz compilation. Mm, smart. The chill with the, the the wind and the beach. It's just nice to have that. I love that a compilation. That sounds real smart. Like I think if you stick to maybe one person, like a single singer, you would get tired of it. Smart one, smart one. <laughs> oh, but okay, once travel is kind of like. Legal again, legal, safe, and everything, right? Where's the first place you would go? Oh, uh, yeah. Where's the first place you guys would go? How dare you turn this back on us? No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have no idea. I'm like, maybe Malaysia? I'm not sure. Seriously? <laughs> which one? I mean, like, which are you dreaming that small? How dare you? Yes, I am. Because I'm like, <laughs> which one of y'all are going to wear a mask? <laughs> still, still paranoid, you know? But at the same time, I'm going straight for like the chili pan me, you know? In, in like Malaysia Ooh. you know I'm thinking food wise I'm Singaporean let me wow that makes okay. sense actually it's just like a, a quick quick trip you can stay safer than mm-hmm. you possibly would without a plane yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but how about you Joel I would actually KL sounds nice right now you're stealing my idea uh-huh Andra what do you have to say for yourself <laughs> I, I have to say that they do make mean um, Nasi Kandar. Mm, My facts. goodness. Oh, it's way cheaper than Singapore, too. Yeah, damn it. Like everything. Then how about you, Andra? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, somewhere in Europe. I haven't <gasps> been for a few years. They probably won't that? accept me because of my vaccine of choice. But we'll see in a couple of years. <laughs> we're dreaming big, you know? We're dreaming big. Uh, yeah, dreaming big. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe Glastonbury. When um, <gasps> Joel is up there. Facts. No, <laughs> no pressure, man. Yeah. Man, man. Well, thank you, guys. Okay, yeah. Joel, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we're looking forward to those new singles. Thank you. And the album. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Yeah. And we'll see you at Glastonbury. Front row. Get us tickets. <laughs> Make it happen. <laughs> Let's I do will. it. Remember our names. Yeah. 
It's right there. And if you, and if you guys perform as well, please get me tickets. Okay, we'll, we'll try our best. Um, the most performing <laughs> I do is singing in the shower. No front row seats, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Joel. Thank, Thank you. you guys so much. See ya. Take care. All right. See Bye. ya. Bye. So yeah, that was that was a great interview. Um, be sure to check out Gentle Bones' self-titled album coming out today, um, as we heard from from the man himself. It will come out in um, a seven-track version, and be sure to keep a lookout on more tracks in the coming weeks. You know, to keep you occupied, summer. Mm, absolutely. He seems like such a cool guy. Very chill. And now you're telling mm-hmm. me there's a dance track, bit of reggae. Okay, good for him. All right. So, yeah, do give that a listen and um, do give us a listen. And that's all for this week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support Coconuts and our weird and wondrous stories, you can become a Coco Plus member at coconuts.co slash membership, make a patron payment at coconuts.co slash patron, or buy a fresh merch at the Coconut Shop at shop.coconuts.co. Subscribe to the podcast and leave reviews. Tell us how you feel and what you like and don't like. We're excited to hear from you. The Coconuts Podcast delivers impactful, weird, and wondrous reporting by a journalist on the ground in eight cities. Singapore, Bangkok, Hong Kong, Manila, Jakarta, Kuala Lumpur, Yangon, and Bali. Listen to headline news and insightful interviews on matters large and small designed for people located in or curious about Southeast Asia, and Hong Kong. The Coconuts Podcast is a Coconuts Media production. Our hosts are Summer Lee and Andra Nazri. Our executive producer is Byron Perry. Our production manager is Clarissa Cortez, and our editor is Paul Medina. Mm-hmm.